So as I mentioned already, um, today is our Stewardship Sunday where I'm going to be preaching on stewardship, biblical stewardship. And this is one of those Sundays where I often think, you know, the people just think like he's the pastor, we're going to be talking about money now, and you know, does he sort of have a stake in the matter since, you know, he's going to call us to give faithfully to the Lord and that money is going to be used to pay his salary. So often with this Sunday I sort of feel like a little bit awkward, maybe it's not always my favorite topic that people think he sort of, you know, has a different motive or agenda, but I assure you this isn't like about me and making sure that I'm taking care of and so forth. In fact, it's not even like, oh, it's my decision to preach on this, but the elders, the leadership of the church, this is something that they like done. In fact, every year, uh, really, as we're in this pledging season, it's sort of a natural time to do it in appropriate and good time. Uh, as we're in this season, as we're thinking of the coming year and sort of preparing a budget for, for that and thinking about ministry and what can we afford and, and just planning. And it's this time of really pledging for what we're going to give for the next year. It's just sort of a natural time to talk about stewardship, and we're going to talk about stewardship in really the fullest sense of biblical stewardship, not just specifically focusing on stewardship of finances, but we'll certainly give extra attention to that. But it's sort of a natural time to talk about being a faithful steward of the resources that God has entrusted to our care, and certainly part of being a faithful steward in regard to finances is giving to the Lord. So don't think that this is some sort of shakedown from the pastor, and he's just trying to get as much out of you as he possibly can. Really, this is just something that scripture talks about. Jesus himself certainly talked an awful lot about money. It was a matter that came up time and again in, in the Bible, and it's just sort of a part of life, and we ought to address that matter and that subject from a biblical perspective and look at what scripture has to say. And so that's really what we're going to be doing today. So as I said, we're going to look at biblical stewardship, but, but we're going to start with a little bit more of a wider view and recognize the reality that God has made us stewards in a whole host of different ways. Often we think of stewardship and our minds go straight to money and, oh, we got to be faithful uh, stewards of all the resources God's entrusted to our care, our money, right, all of our possessions. But stewardship is certainly, from a biblical perspective, a little bit more general than that. Uh, and so we're going to look at stewardship in a whole host of different ways, and we'll sort of move our way through that. But for starters, uh, I want to really talk about the subject of stewardship in the sense of sort of defining it. What, what is biblical stewardship? We can talk about it, but if we don't understand uh, what it is, then we're not really going to get anything else that we say. Uh, so let's look first at First Chronicles, and here's where we're going to see this idea of biblical stewardship and sort of come up with the definition of sort of what is it? What is biblical stewardship, and, and what does the Bible have to say about it? And we're going to look at First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 through 16. First Chronicles 29, 10 through 16. I'll read it for us here, but I want to set the context here a little bit. Now here, the stewardship that we're going to talk about, it does relate to, to sort of finances and possessions, even though stewardship is certainly wider than that. But the context here is we know, yep, Solomon's the one who's going to go and build the temple, uh, but that time hasn't yet come. David's king, uh, but he wants to prepare for that time and really set aside the resources that would have been needed for building the temple. So David gives out of his possessions, out of all that God has entrusted to his care, generously giving to David and trusting a to David's care. As King David gives back to the Lord out of that, ultimately uh, with a view toward those resources being set aside ultimately for the building of the temple when the time comes for Solomon to do that. 
But it's not just David. Then he sort of, you know, reaches out to the rest of the people of Israel, particularly the leaders, right, the leaders of the people of Israel, and really challenges them to sort of join in with him and also to give to the Lord, right, and toward this end of setting aside these resources that would be used when the time came uh, for Solomon to build the temple. And so that's sort of the whole context here. David and the leaders of Israel presenting before the Lord these offerings that were to be used, these possessions, gold, silver, and so forth, uh, that would have been used for the building of the temple when the time came for Solomon to do that. So that's the context, and here's what David says, starting at verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. Right, so what is David saying here? I really want to zoom in on a few specific parts here. Uh, first, in verse 11, he makes this statement. What does he say? He says, everything in heaven and earth is yours. And so this is sort of fundamental to the idea of biblical stewardship, which is that everything belongs to God. Everything's his, right? No qualification there, right? There's no exception. Everything in heaven and earth is yours, right? It's all the Lord's, right? He's the one who created it all. He is the owner of it all. It's all his. Even if your bank account has your name on it and they, everyone else here might say, oh, that's yours. The reality is, no, no, no. God's saying, right, it's his. He's the owner of it. He's the owner of everything, period, end of story. But, of course, God delights in entrusting things to his people. He delights in putting things under the care of mankind and making man to be stewards, to be managers of those things. So there are things that we might often think of as ours, but they're not truly ours, right? It's truly the Lord's. He's the owner of it, uh, but things are entrusted to us, rather, and we are managers of it. We are stewards of it, and then we are to use those things, of course, for the Lord. We're to be faithful managers. We're to be faithful stewards of those things that are rightfully God's and use them, leverage them in service to the Lord, for him, for his glory, for his kingdom, right? That's what's being said here. So for everything in heaven and earth is yours, right? David says that. And then he goes on. This is verse 14. Everything comes from you, right? You're the owner of it all. It's all yours. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. And he goes on. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Uh, a little more literally. I think I, I'd like it translated a little more literally here. Everything comes from you, and we have given to you from your hand. 
right? The idea is sort of everything we have, it's yours, it comes from you. And this, this idea of, yes, it, it, everything we're giving to you, it's from your hand. From your hand in the sense of, yes, your hand is the, the one that gave it to us, that entrusted it to our care. But I'd say probably we could take it even a little more strongly. And the idea is that not only is it from God's hand in the sense of he's the one who gave it to us or entrusted it to our care, but even more so in the sense of it's still in his hand in the sense of ownership, right? Everything we have or think we have, right, it's really God's. It's still in his hand. It's still his possession. And as we give to him, and this is sort of what David has in mind here, even as they're giving to the Lord, the idea is sort of they're giving out of his hand what's rightfully his to him, right? It's sort of we're not giving you what is really and truly ours, David's saying. We're just giving to you, Lord, what's yours. Because as David said before, everything in heaven and earth is yours. Everything is yours. And so if we give something to you, we're just giving you what's yours. We're giving to you from what is already in your own hand. And we're just sort of stewards of it. We're just managers of it, but we don't own it, right? All that David gave to the Lord here, he wouldn't say, oh, it's mine and I own it. Yeah, sort of from a human way of speaking, we, we might uh, say that sort of thing. But David realizes, no, it's the Lord's. He's the owner of it. And it's just under my care for the time being. And as I give it back to the Lord, I'm just giving him what's already his. And, and that's just part of being a faithful manager and steward of what God has given to me, David would say. So everything comes from you, and we have given to you from your hand. And then he goes on, this is verse 16, saying much the same thing. O Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand. Again, more literally, it is from your hand. So all this, he's saying the same thing. Again, sort of all this abundance that we've given to you, well, it's from your own hand. We're just sort of giving from your hand to you. It's really yours, and, and we're just giving to you what's already yours. And he goes on, and all of it belongs to you. Again, we're just giving to you, Lord, what is yours, right? And this sort of, really, we see in this passage this idea of biblical stewardship, which is that God is the owner of everything, right? Right? All too often we can have the mindset of, you know, I own this, this is mine, that's mine. But, but biblically speaking, God's the one who owns everything, but he delights in entrusting things to our care. Doesn't make us the owner of it, it makes us a manager, a steward of it, but then we're called to be a faithful steward. And, and whatever God puts under our care, whether it's finances or it's spiritual gifts or it's natural talents or abilities, there's a whole host of things, host of things. Whatever he puts under our care and entrusts to us, we're now to use that for him. Not sort of selfishly for ourselves and it's all about me, but now we're to be a faithful steward of that and using it however God calls us to in service to him for his glory, of course. So now sort of understanding, well, what is this biblical stewardship? What, what's it all about? Now I want to talk about sort of different areas, specific areas in which we are stewards. We're stewards, we're managers of various things. As I said, we often think of money. That's sort of often what comes to mind first when we think of stewardship and so forth. And we'll get there and we'll sort of give specific and special attention to that uh, at the end. But I want to talk about some other areas of stewardship. And in fact, even right at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, you can flip there if you'd like, we already see man in this position of being a steward. And I'll read this for us. And specifically, the reality here is that man is made steward of creation, the created order. Again, not that man is the owner of it. It's not our possession. It is the Lord's. But God has made man, as we're going to see here, to be a steward over creation. And so this is Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And here's what it says. 
the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Right, so God here, at the very beginning, often we sort of think of work as maybe this, oh, it's not this great thing. Some people maybe love their work, but often we might think of it as laborious and so forth. But work is intrinsically a good thing. It's, there's a brokenness and corruption that comes uh, to it as a result of the fall. But there was work before the fall, and it was good, and it was wonderful, and it was glorious. Right, and, and so the Lord gives man work. He takes the man, puts him in the Garden of Eden to do what? To work it and take care of it. Right, man is placed in the Garden of Eden to be a good steward of it. There's this wondrous, glorious Garden of Eden, and man is to be a faithful and good steward of it, of course, to, to tend it, to work it, to care for it, to see it thrive, to seek to bring a thriving there. And of course, really, this isn't just about the Garden of Eden, but what would have been in view is, is for this to then continue to extend throughout the whole face of the earth, and for uh, this to be the case for all of creation, right? Not just this little Garden of Eden right there, and that's all, but man was made steward over the whole of the earthly creation, right? And we are to be a faithful steward of the created order here on earth and, of course, seek to, to bring a thriving about creation, right? To tend to it, to care for it, to guard it, to watch over it. That is our role, and that is the role of a steward, the role of a manager. Now, I'm not saying I'm not some, like, extreme tree hugger type. That's not what I'm trying to promote, right? I think we need to recognize that God's priority is mankind. We are a priority over, you know, animals and so forth. I don't think that we should sacrifice mankind to save an animal or two there. I think that's going to some sort of extreme. But nonetheless, as Christians, I think all too often we maybe are okay with mankind trampling upon creation needlessly uh, rather than seeking to be a faithful steward of this earth that has been entrusted to our care. And I think often we don't take that role seriously enough, and we ought to realize that this is a God-given role. He has made us as stewards uh, over the earthly creation, and we need to seek to care for it, to take care of it, to work it, and see it thrive. And so that's one area of stewardship. Uh, that we have been given as mankind, but we see all sorts of other areas of stewardship, things that God entrusts to our care, gives to us and trusts to our care, uh, and we need to use those things, be faithful stewards, and use them, of course, in service to the Lord. And another one that we see in Scripture here is the matter of spiritual gifts, that this is something that God gives to us or entrusts to us, uh, and again, we need to be a faithful steward of it. And so I want to read first now, this is 1 Peter chapter 4, Verse 10. I'll give you a moment to flip there if you'd like in your Bibles. 1 Peter 4.10. And here's Peter writing, and here's what he says, and he's talking about spiritual gifts here. He says, each one should use whatever gift, spiritual gifts is what he's saying, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Right? He's saying, hey, each of us as followers of the Lord, as ones who belong to Christ, we have the Holy Spirit within us, and we have received a gift or multiple gifts from the Holy Spirit, right? And what are we to do, right? We've been entrusted with, with this gift or glorious gifts, and what are we to do? Well, we're to be a faithful steward of it, which means using it, right? Not using it all oh, for me so I can just help myself and, and puff myself up with pride thinking, look how great I am with all of my spiritual gifts and mine are better than yours and use them selfishly for myself. That's not what being a faithful steward of spiritual gifts is, but rather he says use these, right? Being a faithful steward of these gifts from the Holy Spirit 
What does it mean? It means using them to serve others. Certainly, front and center would have been serving others in the church. It's sort of, you know, the picture here is each member of the body of Christ using the gift or gifts that they have been given and using them not sort of selfishly for themselves, but for others in the church so that there might be a mutual edification and building up of, of the churches. We all have our varied gifts that we bring to the table, and when we're all using them, uh, there's just sort of a thriving in health and wholeness that comes about within the church, right? And we're mutually edified and grow and mature in the faith. And that's sort of the wonderful picture here of the church as, as all are using their spiritual gifts and being faithful stewards of them, right? So we've been given these gifts, but we need to make sure we've been entrusted with them, to put it that way, sort of stewardship language. We've been entrusted with these gifts, these spiritual gifts, but we need to, of course, be faithful stewards of them, which means exercising them and exercising them, using them in the way that we have been called to for others. And again, not just using them within the church, right, our spiritual gifts. And here, uh, certainly uh, Peter here is talking about spiritual gifts, but we can sort of extend what he has to say here to sort of natural talents and abilities as well. God gives us spiritual gifts, but he also gives us just sort of natural talents and abilities, things that you're born with, certain natural traits and abilities, and you're just good at certain things. And the same thing can be said related to those even though Peter here is specifically talking about spiritual gifts, that's another thing that God has entrusted to our care. He's given us these gifts, not so we can just think we're so wonderful and amazing and I have such great natural talents and abilities better than you or you know, vice versa, but we're to use them, we're to be faithful stewards of them and use them in service to others. And again, certainly front and center would have been using them within the body of Christ, that the body of Christ might grow and be edified. But we can certainly extend that as well to outside of the church and part of being a faithful steward of gifts, spiritual or natural, otherwise that God has given to us is using them not just to serve the church, but also to serve those outside of the church and just care for them and love on them uh, and serve them in this way. And so it's another area in which we're called to be faithful stewards. It's just sort of part of the role God has given to mankind to be a steward. Yes, a steward of creation, but a steward of spiritual gifts, uh, a faithful steward of natural talents and abilities. But even other things, uh, another thing we think of as we think of that which God has given to us or entrusted to us, and then we're to be a, a faithful steward of, is the matter of time. Right? We have a certain amount of time here on this earth. Some, for some of us, it might be a smaller amount. For some, it might be longer, but it is awfully fleeting. Even if you have a pretty good long life and, you know, it's 90 years or maybe even pushing triple digits, the reality is in the grand scheme of things, it's an awfully short time. It's but a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. And I think all too often, even as Christians, we can be guilty of being a poor steward of that time. And we can sort of spend it on, you know, things that have no real eternal significance or value. And we spend our time sort of on ourselves, just sort of doing leisure things. Not that there's anything intrinsically wrong with taking time out just to rest and, and leisure and so forth. That, you know, that's something that God desires for us to do, just to take time to rest and enjoy uh, creation and blessings from him and so forth. But I think all too often we can spend time on things that are not the things God wants us to be spending time on. You know, one of the, and this can be an application or challenge for us this week, but one of the things I think of is what if we really took the time to actually look at our usual daily or weekly lives and say, you know, how much time each week do I spend on things that are not really necessary, that don't really have eternal impact or value, 
And it's just sort of something that I do because, well, I feel like doing it. And it's part of my own agenda and what I want to do. But, you know, it has no real great kingdom impact, no great eternal impact. And if you just sort of tally that all up, you know, maybe it's all the time you spend on your phone and you're just flipping through Facebook, you know, and, oh, there's that friend from high school. Oh, catch up, you know, with them. And those aren't necessarily always bad things. There can be value in that and it can be a way of connecting with other people. Uh, and that can be a good thing. But I think at times it can also be just time wasted away doing nothing of value. You know, again, how much time maybe do you spend just sitting in front of the TV? And again, I don't want to just sort of bash TV. There can be an appropriate place for, you know, it's been a long day and you just want to relax for 30 minutes and watch a wholesome show or, or catch up on the news and, and so forth. And that can be a good thing. But there can also be a place for, you know, where it, the reality is all too often we might sort of sit down in front of the TV and we sit there for two hours and it's pointless and we're wasting away our time. Or Sunday comes and I, I, like, I like football as much as the next guy, but, you know, do you week after week for all 17 weeks of, of the season sit down at 1 o'clock, you know, you got the 1 o'clock games and then there's sort of the 4 o'clock games and then Sunday night football and you're watching TV till 11.30 every Sunday and then, hey, Monday comes along and this Monday night football, and now you have Thursday night football too, and, and all of a sudden you start to tally up all the time, and you realize, you know, life is so short, and I need to be a good and faithful steward of it, and I should be using it in service to the Lord for him, for his glory, and it is sort of wasting it away on those things. Is that how God wants me to spend my time? And again, I'm not saying you can't watch a Pats game here or there and, and enjoy it. I'm not trying to, to go to some extreme, right? Um, right, yeah. I'll give a qualification. I'm not saying that that's bad, but, you know, but there are certainly times where we can take it too far and we just sort of waste away time. And I think it's a good thing to take stock and say, you know, am I being a faithful steward of the time that God has given to me? Uh, it's something I'm even going to do. I sort of was thinking about this as I was preparing this sermon and saying, you know, where am I wasting away time? And so I want to take time this week to sort of catalog and look at my week and say, you know, where am I just sort of wasting away time? And it's pointless. I'm spending it on things that are of no significance and tally that up. And, you know, how many hours does that amount to? And then say, you know, what of great kingdom impact could I now do with that time? If I cut those things out and then say, boy, now what could I do for the Lord with that time? And what kind of impact could I have for eternity if instead of using that on these you know, worthless things, instead I spend that time on other things for the Lord that have real value and impact? It's, I'm going to take that challenge. I'd like to challenge other people to do that. Look at your week. Really do. As you live out your life this week, right, as you live out sort of a typical week for yourself, think about the things and sort of tally it up and keep a catalog when are you sort of just wasting away time pointlessly? Look at the total and then say, boy, what, what does God really want me to do with that time? How can I be a better steward of this resource of time that God has entrusted to my care and really use it for him? So that's one of the areas in which God has called us to be a, a good and faithful steward, time. But we certainly see others. Uh, I can think of sort of our bodies. It's a gift from the Lord that he gives to us and trusts to our care. And I think all too often maybe we can take it for granted and not always be the best steward of, of our bodies. I'm probably pretty guilty of that. Uh, I think I, in a prior 
stewardship sermon, I feel like I've, I've made mention of that, that I'm the one who sort of never goes to the doctor. I'm, I'm being good now, I can say, as compared to some prior last stewardship sermon, like now I go to the doctor, you know. I go for my yearly physical. I'm trying to be a better steward. I, I could still, you know, do a little bit more exercise and so forth, but I think all too often we can sort of take it for granted, not really appreciate the body that God has given to us, and not really be a good steward. And it can even tie in with the time stewardship, where if we're not going to be a very good steward of our bodies, we could wind up cutting our time short as a result, and then there's less that we're able to do for the Lord here on this earth in service to him for his glory. And so we want to be good and faithful stewards of our bodies as well. But I sort of want to, to give another perspective on the matter of stewardship of our bodies. And I think we're now entering into this day and age, or maybe we're, we're not just entering into it, we're already there, where uh, sort of exercise and, and eating well has become a sort of idol of its own, where that becomes all-consuming, and it's all about like, you know, doing this exercise regimen and eating healthy, and it becomes sort of its own religion for some people, where that's their functional God, in a sense, and they're living for that. And so I do want to sort of qualify by saying that's not what's in view with regard to a biblical stewardship of our bodies and making sure we're faithfully being a good steward of them. We don't want to go to some extreme where that sort of becomes our life just sort of exercise and staying healthy, and, and that becomes first and foremost in our lives rather than God himself. So we do have to guard against that. Uh, there is another thing that we see in Scripture that we are called to be faithful stewards of, and so I want to turn to 1 Corinthians here, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and look at the first two verses of this chapter. And here's what Paul says. He says, this is how one should regard us. So a good question here at this point just to pause is to say, well, who's us here? Right? He's talking about himself, but his, his fellow co-laborers in the gospel. And what he's going to say, effectively sort of thinking of stewardship, is that he and his co-laborers uh, in the gospel are called by God to be uh, faithful stewards of the gospel. So you might say, well, so they're sort of in a sense in professional ministry. You know, you could try to equate this sort of like with pastors and so forth and say, well, so are those who are professionally in ministry, well, they're stewards of the gospel, but not your everyday churchgoer. But I would say Paul would absolutely have in mind that every Christian, and we'll talk about this more as we read this, but every Christian is called to be a steward of the gospel. Yes, there's sort of an extra burden of stewardship for those in professional ministry, but just because Paul is directly talking about himself and his co-laborers in the gospel as stewards of the gospel, don't think that that means that Paul would say that your average Christian has uh, no responsibility as a steward of the gospel. I would say he would absolutely have the sense that every Christian is to be a faithful steward of the gospel, but there's just sort of an extra burden upon those who have a special calling as, as pastors. But let's read it. So this is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And that mysteries of God, another way to put that is to say the gospel, right? The, the good news of the gospel, the gospel message, right? So he's saying this is how you should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the gospel. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Or you could translate it faithful. I probably prefer faithful, but either one's fine. But so, right, not only that, hey, not only is he saying, hey, we're stewards of the gospel. Certainly, yes, those in professional ministry, but he'd say every Christian is, is, is a steward of the gospel. And he says, moreover, right, it's required of stewards that they be found 
faithful, right? God has made us stewards of the gospel. He has given us this wondrous, glorious message, and he says, I'm calling you to be a faithful steward of it, a faithful manager of it. What does that mean? It means declaring it everywhere you go, right? As you're at your workplace, as you're at the grocery store, as you're just going about your daily life, we should just be so overcome by Christ and what he's done for us and just be in awe of of the truth of the gospel that everywhere we go, we just want to declare it to the whole world, and we want to tell everyone about this glorious news that we have. How can we contain it, right? We just want to shout it from the rooftops, tell everyone, and that is being a faithful steward of the gospel. And he says that's what we need to be, not just stewards, but faithful ones, faithfully being stewards of the gospel, proclaiming that truth about God, about Christ, what he's done for us to the whole world. But now I want to get to the area of stewardship that it has to do with money, sort of financial biblical stewardship, probably the thing that we tend to think of when we think of stewardship, we sort of expect a discussion about money, right, and and sort of stewardship in that regard. And certainly the Bible talks quite a bit about that, about that subject of money and and being a faithful steward uh, of financial resources and what that looks like. And I want us to turn first, we'll look at a few passages related to this topic, but I want to turn first to the Old Testament and look at Leviticus chapter 27 verses 30 through 33. And here's what it says. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. If a man redeems any of his tithe, he must add a fifth of the value to it. The entire tithe of the herd and flock Every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. He must not pick out the good from the bad or make any substitution. If he does make a substitution, both the animal and its substitute become holy and cannot be redeemed. Right, so... What's being said here, let's look at it in sort of its Old Testament context, right? There's a command that God has for the people of Israel, and they're to give a tenth of of sort of their harvest, right? If if they're a farmer, agrarian, right, then a tenth of their harvest, whether that's grain, whether it's, you know, fruit from trees, uh, a tenth of the harvest they're to give to the Lord or a shepherd, a tenth of the flock. In a sense, to put it in today's language, since most of us probably aren't tending sheep or, you know, growing all sorts of crops and and farming, it's 10%, right, a tenth of your income. And he's saying, right, you're to give that to the Lord. And of course, the Lord used that, not that God needs money, right, it's all his to begin with, but the Lord then uses that, of course, to support those who are devoted to him in ministry. So the Levites, the priests, right, it's for them so that they can devote themselves to serving the Lord and not have to worry about sort of providing for themselves, right? So this is what they're commanded to do, and certainly it was binding for the people of Israel. Now, a good question to ask is to say, well, this is Old Testament law. This is part of uh, the covenant made at Sinai, the Mosaic covenant. So is this binding for us, right? Do we have to do this? This is the Old Testament, right, part of the law, and it's a good question to ask. And I would say, right, the Old Testament, the, the law of the Old Testament, the Mosaic covenant, it is no longer binding for us. We are under a new covenant in Christ. And so the very letter of the law of the Mosaic covenant is no longer binding for us, right? But what I would say 
And so sort of the strict letter of the law of do we have to give 10% just as the people of Israel had to give 10% to the Lord in that day and age, do we have to give exactly 10% uh, following the letter of the law here that is, that is spoken of in Leviticus? I'd say no, that covenant is not binding for us. We're under a new covenant in Christ. But what I would say rather, what does still hold true is the principle behind the law. And so as we, this is a good way to approach Old Testament law, part of the, the Old Covenant, right, Mosaic Covenant. As we approach the law, and I don't mean just this specific law and command about tithing, but any law is to say the letter of the law isn't binding, but there's always some principle, theological principle behind the law, and that still holds true. That is sort of a timeless principle that holds true. And so there is clearly here a timeless principle that we are to give to the Lord, right? We are to give to the Lord, and the Lord uses that. Think of sort of the New Covenant era, the New Testament era. Well, the Lord uses what is given to him sort of in the same way in support of those who are in professional ministry so that they can devote themselves to the Lord and serving him for pastors, for church staff, and also to support the costs of all sorts of ministries and to pay for the building and so forth and so on. Right, So there is a principle that we are to give to the Lord, then the, the Lord will use it toward that same end. But I would say there isn't any sort of rigid percentage or specific amount that for everyone, it has to be 10% because Leviticus says 10%. Right? Rather, I would say under the new covenant, it sort of operates a little bit differently. There's still the principle we're to give to the Lord. But how much, what percentage, that can differ. And I would say the answer, what are you called to give to the Lord? Well, whatever God calls you individually to give to him. Which for some, right, maybe some money's tight, right? You might be one of those people where money's awfully tight. You don't have some huge income. And God could be saying, you know, I, I just want 2% or 4% or whatever it is. Right On the flip side, you could be someone who's been blessed greatly from a financial perspective and you have a great income and God's saying, I've blessed you in this way so that you can then be a faithful steward and give not just 10%, but even more than 10% and maybe 12%, maybe 20%. You know, God could have, have someone in his church who makes $2 million and God's saying, man, you can live off of 25% and you can give me 75% and that may be what he would be calling someone to do. We don't have anyone in the church in that situation. If we do, you could give 75%. That'd be great. Um, but, but I'm just sort of illustrating the point. And so I'd say whatever God's calling you to give, that's what you're to give. Right? And it's not always this set 10%. Now, people may differ on their, how they want to interpret uh, Leviticus and sort of carry it forward into the New Covenant era, and there may be different perspectives on that. You can disagree with me. That's fine. But I think sort of uh, the way I interpret it is let's carry forward the principle, but not the letter of the law is the best way to approach uh, Old Testament law and apply it to our era in the New Covenant in Christ. But so we're still called to give to the Lord and to give what he calls us to give, whatever that amount may be. But we still see more in Scripture about how we're to give. Uh, and Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. And here I do want to say the context is a little bit different than sort of typical tithing giving to the church. Uh, the context here is a special collection that is taken up for Christians in Jerusalem. So there was sort of a need, right? There were needy Christians, uh, Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And so Paul takes up a collection amongst Gentile churches for them. So it's a little bit different context than saying, you know, the regular tithing to the church to cover the costs of ministry, uh, pastors 
leaders, elders, that sort of a thing, um, right? Uh, different, little bit of a different context, but I'd say sort of the ideas and principles still sort of hold for both cases. And here's what Paul says on the matter of giving. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Right, so at the outset, he sort of establishes this principle, saying, hey guys, as you prepare to give, right, I just want you to know, you know, if you give sparingly and only a little teeny bit, Right, and I'd say the idea of sort of giving generously or sparingly, it's not about the total amount. It, you know, if you're someone who makes very little, yet you still give of that, that very little that you have, God would view that as giving a lot. So it's not sort of about the total dollar amount, but sort of for the one who sort of gives with very little generosity, right, basically what is Paul saying? He's saying don't expect some great blessing from the Lord. If you sow sparingly, if you give sparingly, right, rather than generously, then expect sort of sparse blessing from the Lord. Sort of works in a proportional way, directly proportional. And he says, but if you give generously, right, and again, it doesn't have to be about total dollar amount. If you even have so very little, that yet what little you, you have, you give to the Lord. That's giving generously, right? For the one who gives generously, right, what can they expect? To reap generously. That there will be abundant blessing from the Lord. And I don't mean that that blessing is necessarily financial in, in terms of dollars, right? It's not like, ooh, if I give $100, uh, well, that means God will bless me with how many dollars in return, right? That's not what I mean. In fact, I would say that the blessing that we can expect from the Lord as we give to him faithfully is likely to be not financial blessing, but blessing in all sorts of other ways. But nonetheless, what Paul is saying here is basically uh, in proportion to how you give and serve the Lord faithfully in regard to giving, expect, expect blessing proportional to that. So if you give generously, expect generous blessing. Not necessarily financial blessing, but blessing from the Lord. If you give not very generously, well then, you know, when it comes to blessing, don't expect it to be abundant, generous blessing. So Paul says that, but he goes on. He says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I would say this is really what God wants most as we give, which is that, that we give with joy in our hearts, that we give cheerfully. God does not want us to say, you know, hey, I know, Lord, you're calling me to give, you know, whatever, say 10%. Um, you're calling me to give 10%, fine, I guess I'll do it. And you sort of give miserably with a bad attitude in your heart out of the sense of obligation and compulsion. God doesn't want that. He'd rather you give less. Instead of giving the full amount to the Lord but doing it begrudgingly, God doesn't want that. He would rather you give less and give the 5%, half of it, but do it with great joy in your heart. Uh, do it cheerfully. That is what God wants. Most of all, he wants not the dollars, but the joyful heart as you give to the Lord. And I would say that's really what Paul's saying here. You know, you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. If God's called you to give more, but in your heart you just sort of can't bring yourself to do it, and instead you're sort of like, I'm just going to do half, and that's what you've decided, 
right? That's where your heart is. Paul's saying it would be better for you to just give what you've decided in your heart to give, even if it's less, not sort of under compulsion, not reluctantly, because God wants you to give cheerfully. And so that's what God wants first and foremost when it comes to giving to him. He wants us to do it with great joy, uh, with abundant joy in our hearts, to do it cheerfully. Now, of course, what does God really want? Ideally, he wants you to give the full amount and do that with joy in your heart. So I wouldn't say use that as some sort of cop-out to say, oh, now I'll only give a fraction of what God wants me to give, and I'll do it with joy in, in my heart. And great, he'll be so thrilled with me. I'd say really what God wants is the full amount and joy. But if you can't bring yourself to do both, what Paul's saying here is, God wants the joy more than the full amount. So it would be better for you to give less and do it with joy than more and do it begrudgingly. Right? And I want to look at one last passage here, certainly a, a frequently looked at passage when looking at biblical stewardship from a financial perspective. And it's Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. And here's what it says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Right? To put it simply, what is the saying? God's saying, be faithful. When I call you to give, give the full amount. To, to also speak to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, right? Not just give the full amount. Do it with joy in your heart. And what can you expect? Abundant blessing from the Lord, right? That's what this is saying. Give faithfully as the Lord calls you to. And what's he going to do? He's going to bless and bless abundantly. And so it's just a challenge for us to really be faithful and to see God show up and do what he says he's going to do, which is be faithful and bless us abundantly when we give. So I kind of want to come to application and start general, right? We looked at stewardship in a general sense, and I want to challenge us and give us an application in the general sense. Looking at all of these different areas of stewardship, right? Creation, spiritual gifts, talents, abilities, time, our bodies, the gospel, and money as well, financial stewardship. Let's be faithful stewards in every area of our lives, in every area in which God has made us a steward. Let's be faithful stewards. But certainly we're focusing a little bit more on sort of the money issue, right? It's sort of that time of year, pledging season. And so we're sort of thinking of that and focusing on that. And I want to challenge us to be faithful stewards in regard to our finances as well, which involves giving to the Lord. Now, part of being a faithful steward as well, when regard to finances, is not only giving to the Lord. God calls us, of course, to provide for our families, right? You need to provide by putting food on the table and, and clothe your, your children and, you know, make sure that there's a roof over everyone's head. So I don't want to think that as we think of, well, what's being a faithful steward of all of the money that God has put under our care? What does that mean? It isn't just giving to the Lord. I think often that's what we think of because that's what we hear preached on all the time. But, but faithful stewardship of all the resources that God has given to us is more than just that. It's with every dollar, every cent that we have, using it however God wants us to use it, which is in part taking care of the needs of our family, taking care of maybe the needs of those who come in, in, across your path in daily life. If there are friends in need, you see someone on the streets in need, just caring for them, right? It, it's, it's putting food on the table for your family, caring for your needs. That is part of what God wants from you when he entrusts financial resources to you. But of course, also part of that is giving of that money to the Lord. And so I want us to be faithful stewards in regard to our finances in every sense, using every little 
little bit of it, not just talking about the part that we tithe to the Lord, but every little bit of it using it as God calls us to. Uh, and part of that, and sort of centrally what we focused on, of course, is giving to the Lord, right? And giving generously. However he calls us to give, to give that full amount, that's sort of the challenge, and to do it with great and abundant joy in our hearts. And to remember, if we do that, what does God say he's going to do? He's going to bless. He's going to bless abundantly. If we're faithful to him, we give the full amount, we do it with joy in our hearts, God says, hey, I'll bless you. But I want to sort of talk about our specific situation here at New Hope Chapel, sort of really try to apply this to, to sort of where we are. And certainly here at New Hope Chapel, you know, finances have been tight for quite some time. It's not sort of a new thing that finances are a little bit tight. It's been that way for a number of years. Right? And so I certainly want to challenge us to, to step up to the plate and, and really give and give generously and, and provide for the needs of the church and give to the Lord generously. Uh, but I want to talk about it in another way and talk about our situation here. And, and I'm excited about where New Hope Chapel is. Right? I would actually say if I look at New Hope Chapel and sort of the ministry that happens uh, is happening here, I think of moms and munchkins, all sorts of other things going on in the life of the church. I feel like I'm more excited about where we are right now at New Hope Chapel here than probably I have been in the six plus years that I've been here. That doesn't mean I haven't been excited in the past, you know, before this, but I'd say I'm probably more excited about how God's at work right here, right now in the life of New Hope Chapel than any other time in the prior six years. I feel like God is saying not like, oh, you know, could the life of New Hope Chapel be nearing its end? You know, finances don't always look so great. In my mind, I feel like God's saying, I'm just getting started. Right? I look at things, I look at, take Moms and Munchkins, and Caitlin shared a lot about it. I look at Moms and Munchkins, and I say, you know, God's just getting going there, right? Things are, are really taking off. Lives are being impacted, right? We even see people connecting with the church through that. There are opportunities uh, to be bit by bit pointing people to Christ, sharing the gospel, right? I think of other things, too. We had a baptism not that long ago for, for Geo. I think of other people, too, even sort of not just out looking out and sort of outreach perspective, reaching the community, but I even think of situations like uh, John and Marla and, and being able to, as a church, as they go through health issues, being able to walk alongside them and support them, right? I feel like so much is going on in the life of New Hope Chapel, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited to be able to be a part of it, uh, and I feel like God is just moving and at work, and it's not like as New Hope Chapel ending, nearing the end of its days, I feel like God's saying, you know, the best is yet to come, right? I'm just getting going. There's awesome things that I'm doing. And as I think of the matter of giving to the, to the church, I want to sort of challenge us in this way to say, as we see things happening, as we see God moving, as we see him at work, to say, hey, I want to be a part of that. I want to join in that. And there are various ways in which we can say, as God's doing cool and awesome things here at New Hope Chapel, right? There are various ways in which we can be a part of that. And part of that is saying, hey, we can give financially to support that ministry. As God is doing these great and awesome things, we could say, I want to be a part of that by giving to the church in support of those ministries that that can continue to take place. I'd say we can also be a part of all that God's doing here at New Hope Chapel, all the amazing things that he's doing by getting involved very literally by saying, hey, I want to volunteer. Whether I use the example of Moms and Munchkins or, or other things, we have all sorts of other ministries, Craft Connection, Prayer Shawl Circle, you know, children's ministry, all sorts of things. One of the ways we can get involved is by volunteering and being a part of it and just sort of diving in head first and say, I, I want to be engaged in this. I want to be a part of what's going on here and, and say, sign me up. And so uh, as I sort of think of 
pledging season and, and sort of giving to the Lord. And as we're talking about that, I don't want it just to be sort of this cold, sterile, let's just look at scripture and see what it says and go and, and let's be faithful to it. But I want to really apply it to right here, right now and say, God, I really genuinely feel that, that God is doing great things here at New Hope Chapel. I'm excited about it. And I want us to sort of all have that response and to sort of say, I want to be involved in it. I want to be engaged in what God is doing. And part of that is going to be giving to the Lord faithfully in support of those ministries and engaging in that ministry and what God is doing in that way. And so I just want to challenge us to step up to the, to the plate and be faithful stewards in every area of life, but as we're particularly focusing in on and giving to the Lord as he has called us to give. For him, for his glory, amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the privileged position of being stewards. Just to think of that, Lord, it should blow our minds that you have made us stewards, that you have made us managers of all sorts of things, the earthly creation. You've given us spiritual gifts, talents, abilities, time, bodies. You've entrusted us with the gospel message, Lord with all sorts of possessions and financial resources, Lord. And we should just be amazed that you have given us such great responsibility, Lord. But it is a responsibility, and we need to carry out that responsibility faithfully. And so I pray that in every area we would be good and faithful stewards, Lord. And as we think of finances in particular, Lord, may we truly step up to the plate. May we seek your direction and what you're calling each and every one of us to give. And it's going to be different for each and every one of us. May we step up to the plate and give faithfully and give generously and joyfully and with great excitement knowing that by giving we are engaging in the work and ministry that you are doing here at New Hope Chapel. And may we be excited about that, Lord. And I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.